bright dawn is the night, hope has appeared, Christmas is here. Prophets foretold, shepherds behold, mystery now clear, Christmas is Good morning and Merry Christmas to you. I'm grateful that we're gathered in the house of the Lord today to worship and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And thank you for being a part of this service today. And I know that you will be blessed by being in the house of the Lord today. If you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you. And we do have a tear-off in our bulletin. If you would be gracious enough to fill that out and place it in the offering plate or give it to one of the deacons or to me at the door at the end of the service, we would have a record of your attendance and know better how to serve you. So I hope that you will take time to do that. There is also a space on there for prayer concerns. If you have prayer concerns, you can also uh, place those on there and put them in the offering plate. And we certainly will pray. Uh, for you. Um, The announcements for the week are listed in the bulletin. Remember, this is just the second of four services here today. We will have our Christmas Eve candlelight communion service at 5.30 here in the sanctuary, and then at 9, our crosswalk Christmas Eve candlelight service will be held in the Family Life Center. So I hope that you will uh, make an effort or be a part of at least one of those services or both of them if you choose to as we come to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. On Monday and Tuesday, the church office is closed. However, there will be cars here on Monday because AA will meet at 1130 as is their custom. They always meet um, on Mondays at 1130. Then on Tuesday, the worship team will meet at 6, but the office will be closed. And on Wednesday, December the 27th, there will be no Wednesday activities. So um, then we will get back on schedule the following Wednesday night. Also, I want to remind you or gently remind you of our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We have uh, not quite reached half of our goal yet. And so um, last year we surpassed our goal. And sometimes I know that that's because the... Um, offerings come in a little bit later as time goes on and some of them come in after the first year and that's great but just wanted to give you a gentle reminder of our Lottie Moon Christmas offering because our missionaries depend a great deal on that budget uh, each year on the money that comes through the Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering also in the foyer of the church you will see uh, offering envelopes for the year 2018 if you haven't picked yours up yet they are out there And there are Christmas cards that were delivered through our in-house post office. 
uh, and they are out there on that table as well. So you might want to pass by that on your way out to see if uh, you have a Christmas card uh, out there. So I wanted to make you aware of that uh, as well. But again, it is a joy to be together in the house of the Lord. I'm grateful that you are here and that we can worship our Lord together. Let's bow for prayer. O Lord, as we come to your house on this day, we are reminded of the power of your love shown to us in Bethlehem at the manger. We're grateful, Father, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has come to redeem us and to give us forgiveness of our sins as we seek that forgiveness through him. We're grateful, Father, for this opportunity to worship you. We, praise that, we pray that you will accept our praise and our adoration and that we might listen for a word from you. Bless us as we have gathered in the name of Jesus. Amen. Excited to be able to have uh, three who are getting baptized this morning for our baptism service. And uh, it has been a joy to see the Lord at work in each of their lives as they have come to trust Christ as Savior and are following Him for the rest of their days. Uh, before we have our three that are being baptized, I do wanted to say we do a about a 10-week preparing to own your faith sort of pre-baptism course for all our baptism candidates. And this summer at camp, Jason Brown, who will come up now if you could. Jason Brown came forward at uh, the the service to say that he was baptized and he had accepted Christ when he was younger, but he really wanted to make sure that he understood his faith in Jesus Christ. So he came forward to rededicate his life to Jesus. We prayed, and he wanted to go through our baptism course together. So he's been with us faithfully each and every week, and he has learned and he has grown, and so we wanted to acknowledge Jason, and at the end of the service, he'll stand up with the other baptism candidates so you can shake uh, his hand and pray for him as well. So let me pray for Jason, and uh, then we will have our baptisms. Father God, thank you for Jason being a part of this group. We thank you for the way that you've worked in his life and you've uh, come into his heart and given him your faith. So Lord Jesus, we uh, are excited for the way he's grown in you, the way he uh, is, is willing to uh, step, step forward and say that I uh, want to be fully yours, Jesus, and that he has made this Uh, his commitment. So God, we thank you for Jason. We thank you for his family and friends who are here this day. And we lift him up as a part of this group. And we know that you are working in great ways through his life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jason. You can have a seat. All right. uh, We have, uh, of our four, Jason is a ninth grader. I believe 14. Is that right, Jason? 14? 14 years old. We've got a 10th grader, an 11th grader, and a 12th grader this morning, so that's very exciting. Um, And uh, we will start with our 12th grader. This is Jennifer Overbeck. She's a 12th grader at Lee Davis High School. She's 17, and she uh, is a wonderful, faithful uh, member of the the youth group, and she's here all the time. And she has come to... uh, faith in Jesus Christ, and she is excited about this baptism this day. Jennifer, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Based on that profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ's baptism, risen to walk in the newness of life. Our next is Mackenzie Bradley. She is an 11th grader at Atley High School, and she is also 17. 
and uh, she has given her life to Christ. Mackenzie, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Based on that profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism. Risen to walk in the newness of life. And our third is Ashley Fiffick. She is a 10th grader at Lee Davis High School, and she is 15. Yes. Uh, Ashley, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Based on that profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, risen to walk in the newness of life. Thank you so much. We will have them at the end of the service up front so you can visit with them, pray for them, shake their hands, and they'll get their baptism certificates. And this is just the beginning, as I tell them. This is the beginning of a faith journey that grows each and every day for the rest of their lives. And God is faithful. Jesus will be with them always. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for uh, Jason, for Jennifer, for Mackenzie, and for Ashley. God, we thank you for the great work that you have done and your salvation being given to them, that they have trusted you, Lord Jesus, as Savior. God, we pray that they follow you all the days of their life, and even when they struggle, they'll be reminded of the grace and the love of Christ. God, what a special day on Christmas Eve to be marked as yours. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Dwight said about how appropriate it is that we should be celebrating baptism on the day that we await the birth of the Christ child. Would you please take your hymnal and turn to hymn number 192. Let's stand as we sing together, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. 192, please stand and join. Thank you, and you may be seated.
Emerson and I are going to light the fourth candle of Advent today. It's known as the angel candle or the candle of love. The angels announced the good news of a Savior. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. God sent his only son to earth to save us because he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Let's continue our worship. If you will take your hymn hymn book and turn to hymn number 184, we'll sing about those wonderful angels. Angels we have heard on high. 184, let's stand together as we sing. standing for our offertory prayer. Good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. We stand here today on the eve of a very auspicious occasion. 
Many years ago, 2,000 or more, no one knew tomorrow was going to be a special day, or only a few. And uh, today we're here to celebrate it some 2,000 years later on. We are going to get the greatest gift of all tomorrow. It's the anniversary of our Savior's birth. So let us go to God and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you for the season, for all the things that you've given us, the everlasting life. We give back some small portion in our tithes and offerings here today to help you further your kingdom and to help others know about Jesus and your love. Amen.
Shall we pray? Our Lord and our God, as we come before you once again, we do so with thanksgiving in our hearts. Recognizing, Father, the power of your love for us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Coming to you this morning filled with hope, with love, with peace, and with joy. Recognizing, Father, that these emotions, these things in the deepest part of our being, are caused by you. As we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray this morning, Father, for one another. That we might feel the power of your presence. As we open your word once again. To hear the story. Of Advent. We're grateful, Father. For our togetherness in this place. We're thankful for the baptisms of a few moments ago. We're thankful, Father, that there are still those who hear and answer your call. We pray, Father, this morning for those who are not with us because of illness. We know, Father, that they would rather be here than dealing with the circumstances they face. And yet we give them to you knowing that even in the midst of their illness, they can find strength and healing through you. We pray also, Father, for those who have lost loved ones. For those, Father, who are dealing with the pain of loss, particularly at this season of the year. Knowing, Father, that only you can bring comfort and assurance. And that indeed, through the Christ child, Even when we feel hopeless, there is hope. We're thankful, Father, for the love shown to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. We turn this morning appropriately to the Christmas story as recorded in Luke chapter 2. The most familiar of the Christmas stories in the Gospels. And we read beginning at verse 1 through verse 20. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. For many, Christmas is such a happy time. Santa Claus and Christmas trees, grandmothers and turkey dinners, candies and sweets, football and bowl games and fun. A baby in a manger long ago. What does the baby in the manger have to do with these other activities? Jesus was born during the reign of Caesar Augustus, the great administrative genius who ruled the Roman Empire 27 B.C. to 14 A.D. There is no evidence outside this gospel to connect Augustus with the census of the empire, but an argument from silence is not conclusive. The humble circumstances of the birth of Jesus are depicted in the story. The word translated in properly means room. An influx of guests had preempted all the places in the room in which travelers slept. The parents of Jesus were required to seek lodging in the stable or perhaps even in an open pen. The first cradle to receive their son was a manger, a feeding trough. Thus did this man for others begin his life. And appropriately so. For there are no barriers in a stable. Superficial categories of race and class, as well as fussy notions about germs and dirt, are unimportant in a stable. All the poor insignificant, forgotten people of the world can gather around the manger and dare to believe that the babe who lies there really belongs to them. We see from this story that centuries ago, God was localized. The truth that the gospel was meant for the socially despised and economically depressed is carried through by the story of the shepherds. The simple pastors of sheep belonged to the people of the land. That multitude of common men who were considered to be outside the pale of religious respectability. Their occupation and manner of life made it impossible for them to meet the requirements of religious ritual for ceremonial purity. Only in the first chapter of the gospel does Luke name the heavenly messengers who appear in his narrative. The heavenly visitors' first words bring reassurance. He is a herald of good news. Joy, a recurring Lucan motif, is the proper response to God's saving deed. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The people are God's people. At Jesus' birth, this was Israel, which later became the church according to Luke's view of redemptive history. God became flesh and bone, blood and water. He was localized and visualized in one person, a male child. In that event of God becoming flesh, we humans begin to see what God is really like. The good news is the birth of a Savior. An unusual title for Jesus in the Gospels. In the ancient world, a Savior was primarily a deliverer from disease, from danger, or from the human predicament in the world. Rulers, both Greek and Roman, were called Saviors. The title was often given to the Greek gods, especially to the divinities of the mystery religions. To proclaim Jesus as Savior in the Hellenistic environment of the Gentile mission was to affirm that He was a universal deliverer for whom people longed, who could do for them what neither their rulers nor their gods could accomplish. Only He could truly release us from the bondage of evil, fate, death, and corruption. Luke gives us a better picture of Jesus throughout his gospel, doesn't he? Jesus, he says, is like a shepherd who loses a sheep, but rather than forgetting the one and focusing on the 99, he still has the shepherd values that the one is enough to go and look for. And when he finds 
that scared, scrawny sheep, he calls and comforts it. He seeks after those he loves. Luke goes on to say that he is like a woman who does not have many coins, only ten. And when she loses one, she sweeps the entire house until her prize is found. And he goes on to say he is like a father who has two sons. Each of whom is lost. One because of arrogance and one because of irresponsibility. Yet the father deals with each independently, personally, graciously, and lovingly to bring about reconciliation. God has become localized and visualized and we can see who he is and what he is. God showed himself to be on our side, on humanity's side. He came preaching the year of the Lord's favor. Today these scriptures have been fulfilled in your hearing, he said in the synagogue. God also showed himself to be at humanity's side. God ministers through nearness and warmth, closeness and comfort, touching and holding. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. He would go through life with us knowing our concerns and interests, our pains and problems, our trials and tribulations. He identifies with us. And we need that. There are times in our lives when we're dealing with obstacles that we face, either in our health, in our personal lives, in the loss of a loved one, whatever the circumstances may be. There are times in our lives when we need to know that someone is there. And God reminds us on this day and every day that he is here. He knows us. Sometimes someone who has been through the same trial that you've been through is really the only one that you can talk to. And God understood that. And so he came to live among us. Further, he showed himself as God over us, the one who addresses humankind and demands obedience. He is king. Yes, it is good news that Jesus came, that God was localized and visualized, and he came for everyone. But it's up to us. How can God be localized today? Because all of that history, more than 2,000 years of history, how about now? Does God become localized and visualized in our time, in our place? How will the citizens of our community see what God is like? It will take an incarnation. This is the way God works. But how will Jesus of Nazareth have to be born again? Will another virgin need to be found? Will it take an incarnation? Will it be an incarnation in us? Within you and me? You see, that's how it occurs. Christ in us. As Christ came to proclaim the good news, He commissions us to proclaim the message that He lived and died. In John's gospel, in chapter 20, verse 21, John says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He goes on to say that greater things can we do than he did if we only will give ourselves to him. Remember when he talked about a mustard seed? And said that if our faith was even as a grain of mustard seed, we could move mountains in the name of Jesus Christ. The peace that Jesus brought was reconciliation between God and humans. The corollary reconciliation between us and others. This peace is possible for individuals of God's good pleasure, we read in the translated text. Even in the midst of the chaos, tensions, and hatred of human society, God can work in and through us. 
Because what we do is not dependent on outward circumstances, but upon a personal response to the initiative of divine grace. And that divine grace led to the incarnation. The purpose of that first incarnation in Bethlehem was to facilitate future incarnations in our community and in our church. God becomes flesh in us. He is localized and visualized in us. To some, we are the only picture of God they will ever see. And that is significant. When we spend our time decorating for Christmas and wrapping presents and cooking and all of the things that go with it. Why do we do those things? Why do we stress ourselves in that way? Because it is significant and important to us, isn't it? It may not be significant and important for the right reason. But this tells us when we decorate our sanctuary and we sing special songs and we hold four services on one day, it says that something is different, doesn't it? That something really matters about what we're doing. And it does. Because you are here today because somewhere along the line, someone was the incarnation of Christ for you. That you saw Christ in them. As we provide for sick and elderly persons, God provides for the sick and elderly. As we visit nursing homes and hospitals, God ministers in those places. As we proclaim the good news of the forgiveness of sins, we do so for God as His representative. As we give to our missionaries, we are being the incarnation of Christ through them. God is in us and He does His mission in the world through us. This fulfills the point of the Christian message. We become redeemers, if you will. The redeemed redeem in the name of Jesus Christ. Christmas defines whose we are, who are we, who are we, and what we are. We are Christ's ambassadors. Humans are the agents of God's business in the world. And that is the way one would expect it, since it is the way God does things. He became a man. Since humankind could not relate to a God who was distant and abstract, God became a man. Incarnation is the way God works, the way He redeems and reconciles. He works in flesh through persons, humans telling other humans about redemption, meaning, integrity, life, light, and love. God lives in us. And God works through us. Just as the shepherds became his instrument to go and tell, we today are his instruments to go. We read in the last few verses that we read this morning of how the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and it was to- and as it was told them. We do what we do on days like today to glorify God, but we do those things also to be Christ's presence in the world. An incarnation calls all persons to reconciliation. One more word must be heard by all this Christian Christmas season. Not only does Christ come to save and not only does he commission all Christians to be his ambassadors or agents, but he also calls all people to reconciliation. No more do you have to see God as an adversary, enemy, or foe. You too can be reconciled. You can join in this ministry of proclaiming reconciliation to all. God can be in you and he can work through you. Mary and others only came to understand the mystery of Jesus' role in God's redemptive purpose in the light of subsequent developments. 
They did not see the full picture until it unfolded. They did not understand fully until his death and resurrection. But it empowered them to be Christ to others. It's important. It matters to people. I know that when I go into a hospital room or to a funeral home or in someone's home, it has taken me years to figure this out because we never have the same self-image of ourselves that others have of us, no matter how hard we might try. But it took me a long time to figure out that when I went into a room where there was a great need, that it was more than me in that room. It was who I represented. It matters. It matters when you go and invoke the name of Jesus Christ. It matters to people. In 1737, Jonathan Edwards published an account of the revival known as the Great Awakening, of which he was a part of and called it a faithful narrative of the surprising work of God. He insisted that he had done nothing to bring in the revival. The conversion of so many people, he said, was unexpected. God had surprised them in the mystery of divine providence. God had gone out of and much beyond his usual and ordinary ways. Edwards went on to say that God is a God of surprises. God has often done things in ways people don't expect. Take the Christmas story. It is full of surprising contrast. The angels did not appear to the religious or political leaders with news of Christ's birth, but to the lowly shepherds. And then those non-religious types shared the message. The magi were willing to follow a star, perhaps not surprising, but they ended up not at the grand hotel, but at a stable. God chose Mary an unwed teenager, to give birth to his son. What's more, despite the humble circumstances of the manger, Jesus, or she believed God's word and named the baby Jesus, meaning God will save. It was not the kind of birth that you would expect for a king. Why, even the grown king in this story, King Herod, was frightened to death at the news of the birth of a baby boy. But what is Christmas? The proclamation of the Savior's birth by the sign of a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Every part of the Christmas story is a holy surprise. At every turn, there is in the world's eyes a surprising contrast between greatness and humility, glory and simplicity. This one who was born in a manger was heralded by angels. The surprise of the nativity points to an even greater surprise, that of his incarnation. The virgin virgin birth is the way of initiating God's greatest surprise that he became flesh and dwelt among us. The cross, the stumbling block to the Jews and an absurdity to the Greeks was not expected as the form of his forgiveness. And the resurrection? Well, nobody expected that either. If God is a God chock full of surprises, then we too can be surprised by God's holy presence. It can occur at Christmas or Easter when we think we know the story so well. It can occur in revival services even if unlike Edwards we set the dates. Revival of our spirits can occur any time. Now that is surprisingly good news. As we have journeyed to Christmas this Advent season, we have heard many sounds. 
the good news that God is for us, that he is with us, and that he is over us. And now we have heard another joyful sound. God lives in us and works through us. God and us as partners. Would you ever have dared think that God, that the God you thought was against you is really for you? That this God is king and summons you and that he wants to live in you and work through you? God in you, depending on you, that is good news in capital letters. And this is an offer you can't refuse. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. These shepherds tending their flock in the field that night were afraid, weren't they? But look at verse 18. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And then look at verse 20. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Does this sound like someone who was afraid, their lives had been transformed. And so can ours. Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful that as we hear these words once again, that they make sense and that they matter. It may not make sense that God came to live among us. But it makes sense as we give ourselves to him. May we, Father, allow you to work in and through us. To be your presence in the world. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our hymn of commitment and invitation is number 187. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. (coughs) Indeed, as we hear the bells, we hear the word of the Lord. The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ as Savior. The invitation is to come. And to give yourself to him. Will you stand as we sing?
if our baptism candidates will make their way to the front so that the congregation will have a chance to greet you and Dwight will give you the um, the uh, certificates and also don't forget about our services tonight, our traditional Christmas Eve services at 5.30 followed by our um, contemporary crosswalk service at 9 o'clock. You're welcome to come to both. You're welcome to come to one of your choosing, but we would love to have you come and be a part of that um, tonight. I'm glad that you've come today to be a part of this service. Thank you for coming to witness the baptism. This is the family, the families of those who were baptized today, and it's always good to have a full front in a Baptist church. So I'm grateful that you're, you're here today. Dwight, I'm going to hand this to you, and will you offer the benediction? Like this, There we go. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the joy it is to be in your house this day, to have these lives that have been touched by you in baptism, and to have your Holy Spirit here as we've worshiped you in spirit and truth. Go with us. Bring us back this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.